0: Oblation, so kind. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking continually, speaking Your words over us. Lord, thank You for revealing Christ the, the truth of who Jesus is. Lord, as we now get further into well, these last uh, as we look at these last 24 hours before You were arrested, before You were like the things that You wanted to say, the things that You were revealing. God, that they would be life to us, they would be life to our spirits, that they would be truth to us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, this last sermon is uh, it's, its a look at John 13-17. through 17. Um, The Gospels all together completely tell the story of Jesus, the goodness of Christ, his coming. Luke spends a lot of time on his birth. That's where we, you know, a lot of times when we read the Christian story, we take Luke 2, we take Matthew 1. Um, and at the end, the other Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and, and, and Luke... Uh, they tell us about this time in the upper room where, again, Jesus gives them the past meal, remember He says, this is my body broken for you. And, and we see that, and we see Judas and the betrayal, you know, the, the, that's getting ready to happen. John gives us a way more detailed account of what's going on. And then it starts in John 13, and, uh, and, and we, we talked about this last week, where you have... Um, this time where, where Jesus says, I'm a servant, the full extent of my love, and He begins to wash to feet. He begins to serve Him. He begins to take the lowest servant position. And you see this trail, the play of radical servant. And then it's called to them and it's called to us. And so it, it, you, you have this he had this glimpse into John 13 and the things that he was instilling into these guys' hearts, the things that he felt, the things that he did, ultimately not just to them, but to us as his followers, as followers of Jesus. What was he trying to say? What was he trying to speak to us? And you will see over and over the things of in a couple of weeks we have been talk about radical love but he was talking about radical serving serving to the point where where, where he took the lowest form of the sort of wash their feet and said I want you I want, I want, I want your following me to be marked by your serving that you serve others you serve each other and you serve the world in a very real way to represent and show and reveal my love for them and so it's interesting, in this vulnerable time, he's about to be arrested, he's about to be crucified, the first thing he does is he washes his feet, we talked about that last week, and then he gets into, we're gonna, today we're going to continuing in John 13, we're going to be here today, next week, I'm actually going to skip a couple of verses from John 13 that we will deal with in a couple of weeks, As he says, he talked about a new commandment that he gives to love one another, we're going to deal with that in a couple of weeks, but today specifically, we want to look at Jesus revealing that He would be betrayed by Judas and that Peter was going to deny Him. And how we in our own lives, and this is where we want to take that inventory, that humble inventory of our own lives, areas where we might deny Jesus. Areas where we may betray Him with the way we live, the way we act, what we say and then next week, so we're going to take a look at how we might betray Him. We're going to look at the passage. Next week, we'll pick that up. and then we're going to look at, the, at Jesus' response, response and His desire for restoration. We, we serve a God who loves restoration, who loves reconciliation, who loves to make us right with Him. And so we're going to take a look at uh, John 13, starting in verse 18. So it'll be up on your screen. Or you can turn in the Bible if you want to. So he's just got through washing the feet. He's telling them to go serve and he's going to reveal his love. And then he says, I'm not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but this fulfills the scripture that says, The one who eats my feet has turned against me. I'll tell you this beforehand, so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. So right there he's saying, when all of this takes place, you're going to believe that I told you it was going to happen. And there were several things that Jesus said to his disciples. Things that you remember, this is going to reveal that I am inside. I remember, I told you this was going to happen. So he says that again. I tell you this truth: anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, you my messenger, the Holy Spirit, my messenger. Anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. And so he's talking to them because later on he's going to be speaking about the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus was deeply troubled. I love that that, that, uh, that John reveals the reality that he is troubled in this here. We know that. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane he is sweating to the point where blood vessels are breaking, and he says he sweated blood, and it was because he was under so much emotional uh, weight and torment and, and the agony of what he was about to do. And so here he is deeply troubled, and he exclaimed, "I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me." And so now we're going to drop down to verse 31, because he has this exchange. And the, the, the part I'm not reading, he has this exchange where they're saying, "What does he mean? Who is it? Somebody's going to be betraying him?" And he said, "It's one of you that dips the, uh, you know, the, the, the bread and the cup with me." Um, and, and so they didn't come completely get it, but Judas is there. Judas has already set up you know, this betrayal this, this, this with the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the people that, you know, the religious leaders of the day. He has set this moment that he was going to betray them, and he betrayed Jesus with 30 pieces of silver. Jesus knew what was going on. And so Judas gets up to leave the room, verse 31. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. And God will be glorified because of him. And since God received glory because of His Son, He will give His own glory to the Son. He will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And so I told the Jewish leaders, You will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. Again, I'm skipping verses 33, uh, 34, and 35. That will be um, in two weeks, where He says a new commandment of you to love And i we going to deal with that in a couple weeks. We're dropping to verse 36. Simon Peter asked Lord, where are you going? And so he had told them, you know, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed in the hands of sinners. He remembers he had given them the indication to they it was like going over their head every time. They thought he was speaking metaphorically, that, you know, at one time says, they said, let us go and die with Jesus. And they thought maybe... You know that he's not talking about real death here, um, and 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 so it was hard for them to even imagine because they believed who he was. They saw that he was Messiah. They saw that he was Lord over sickness. They saw him heal people. They saw him cast out the spirits from people. Um, and so they saw his lordship and his that he was a master, and and I and I think that they thought. We're going to be on the winning team. And he's going to take over. He's going to get all on. This, inter- this is the time it's going to happen. And so, Simon Peter, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked. I'm ready to die for you. I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me. i tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster goes tomorrow morning. You will deny three times that you even know me. Now, the other Gospels we're told that Peter is like, you know, those guys might. And he is, I mean, he's making a declaration. We know, as we read the Gospels, Peter was quick to speak. And he said, they might, but not me. That's why I think that they, they they probably were a little bit angry with him. They might, but not me. I'm, I'm ready to die for you. John says, he tells us that, he, he, he declares to he's am ready to die for you. They all might turn on you, not me. I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus says, you will deny me. And so we know the story is painful to read, right? We have in this passage the reality of Judas's betrayal. Now again, if you look at this from one angle, Judas was a disciple that Jesus called one of his closest companions that turned against him. And again, it's painful how you, when you read it. It's painful because his, his, his ending is horrible. And and then and, and, and next week, we're going to look at the restoration that he gives to you because Jesus wants restoration. But Jesus, Jesus, and this is always the good news. Jesus wants to restore you. He wants to restore me. He always is working toward reconciliation. He has made a way that we could be reconciled in right relationship with him. I love that. He's always in pursuit of me. Even when I disobey, even when I do my own thing, he is in pursuit of my heart to reconcile me. And he will lovingly discipline me, he will lovingly give me the Holy Spirit to convict me. But he is working on reconciling me back to himself. And the beautiful good news. Come back next week because it's the beautiful good news of Peter's restoration. But you know what? Judas could have had that too. Judas could have had forgiveness. Judas could have been made right. And here's the close one of Jesus' closest friends of the twelve that he calls, Turn on him. And then Peter, who's even closer than Judas, because he was one of the three. You know, Peter, James, and John were, were, you know, at times Jesus would pull them aside that he was he, kind of his inner circle. And here's Peter, who was with him. They're called by him. They're with him. They see him day in and day out. They know in their hearts who he is. And he makes this proclamation, I'm ready to die for you. And we know what happens is he denies Jesus. And so, in this part of the last sermon, when we are told these details, what is the Lord trying to speak to us as a part of this story? Jesus it says, "Was deeply troubled. He was grieved, and you know, when people denied him, when people betrayed him, it grieved his heart. And he's not emotionally unstable." Is, when, when we have Jesus we grieve or, or in the Bible it talks about how we can grieve the Holy Spirit and I think one of the ways we can grieve the Holy Spirit is that we, we reject Him, we reject His work in us and the things that He wants to do in and through it. and we can reject that but this is not, a, this is not an emotional grief to the point where He's emotionally unstable but we grieve the heart of God when we deny him betray him obviously Jesus was grieved and troubled in this fear of what was going to happen to him but I believe because he's sitting there looking at Judas knowing what Judas was up to knowing that Peter was going to die him trouble and grieved him think about some someone who is your best friend or or maybe somebody in a family member spouse whoever is very close to you can you imagine them betraying or denying the grief that you would uh, feel? And so Jesus is troubled, and when people deny Him by their words or actions, it grieves the heart. And so, those times we've been rejected, how much more is God grieved when we deny Him? Begin eternal implications of that. And some, some of us might be like people and we'll say, Well, I would never deny Him. Be very careful, Guard your hearts the passage that Jim shared with me earlier about humility. We have no idea what we're capable of. The, 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 the Bible says that the heart is deeply wicked above all. Who can who know it? And, and, and that's, where, that's where we take that inventory of our life. Not, not, not that we are in this shameful condemnation with our heart, but in a humble way just saying, I know what I am capable of. Apart from Jesus, apart from His grace, apart from His mercy, apart from the Holy Spirit's power, of my life, I know what I am capable of. And we would say, I would never deny Him. And I would submit that these guys were with Him in the flesh, and He was right there, and they denied Him. So we had to go to the hearts so close to the shame. And I would submit that also there are times when we do deny them. And I want to look at maybe areas where we deny Jesus in our own life. It can be purposely, or sometimes it's just sometimes we, we, it's what we believe or what we think about who He is. And so I to look at a few ways that we deny Jesus, and we search on. of that. Again, this is not a list to make you feel shamed. This is not a list to make you feel condemned. This is to say, Lord, I to identify any area any area because I want, I want to finish well, amen? Anybody else? I want to finish well. I want to get to the end of my race, whatever that might be, and I want to have as little regret as possible to be able to stand face to face before Jesus and be say, well done, good and faithful servant." And it says in Revelation, He'll will away tears from our eyes, and we might have regrets, but I want to have as little regret as possible. So this is not a shameful thing, this is not a condemning thing, this is to say, Lord, if you're speaking something to me, if you're wanting to highlight something in my heart, I want to be right with you. And so here are some ways, Um, first of all is this, rejecting his love-sacrificing gift of eternal life through choosing sin. Now this can be just an unbeliever that you know, somebody that has not given their life to like Maybe that's you here today. Maybe you you, you you have been searching. Maybe you have been kind of tiptoeing in. The ways of God are kind of interesting to you. you you're you're true church, but you've never made that full commitment to Him. It can also be a Christian that's just saying I, I I'm, I'm, I'm I'm choosing sinfulness, but if we reject His love, accept His gift of life, and choosing sin. John 3. Remember, this is right after John says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son." And then God did not say, uh, you know, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. And that's John 3.17. John 3.19 says the judgment is based on this fact. There is a judgment. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than they love light, for their attitudes were evil. Do you love the light more than darkness, or do you love darkness more than light? God's light came into the world. That's the, the judgment facing. that. Look at the in 2 Thessalonians, all right, this is in, in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because why? They refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And so to love the truth and not, and not make up the truth of your own making, but there is a truth, and there's a standard of truth. Jesus is the standard of truth. One of the things he says that we will look at in a few weeks, because we're going to be in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for him. He is the truth, he is the standard of truth. And believers, okay, again, this could be unbelievers, but believers, how does this manifest in us? Sometimes it's just disobedience. Knowing what I should do and not do it. And James says this, for those who you know what to do and not do it, this is a sin. And who's James writing to? James is writing to believers. You know what you should do and you're not doing it. It can be simple choices that we deny His work and His power in me. Sins of omission. He's dealing with me about something. About this or that. And we know that he is he's bringing us towards we know we know what what he wants us to do, and yet we continue to take the That That is my story. I've shared this before many years ago when when I, I was i kept, I, I kept hitting the same wall over and over this struggle this sinful struggle that was just I kept hitting but the problem is is I like disobedient I knew what God wanted me to do I knew that he wanted me to sit my wife down and confess and to bring things into the life so that it would and I would try to figure out a way to justify to get around it all the time I knew what he was saying to do it I kept not doing it so I've lived this I've lived it and the problem is you keep wrestling with it over and over again and that doesn't mean that we don't have wrestle in our lives and we keep fighting, keep giving up. But if God is saying, oh, you know what he is saying, and you're not doing it, maybe it's to forgive someone. Sometimes the basis of our sinfulness is that we refuse to forgive. We've been maybe legitimately wounded in our lot of hurt. Maybe you had your own betrayal through abuse or something that was broken down. And the Lord is saying, I want you, you have to refuse to forgive, forgiveness. Forgiveness is going to be beyond feeling. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, it has nothing to do with that. It's saying, Lord, I don't feel like it. And I choose to forgive because Jesus said, if you if you refuse to forgive, He said, I, will, I cannot forgive you. Because we are to forgive as we have been forgiven. So, the Lord maybe is telling that you need to forgive, and maybe you're trying to justify your way around that. And, and, and God is saying, Forgive us. Be reconciled in the relationship. Maybe He's saying that. No. There's somebody that they had a broken down relationship, and He's saying, You need to be reconciled. Now, then, then again, as well, they don't want to be reconciled. And then and, and again, you begin to have this internal debate of why we can't do that. And the Lord saying, It doesn't have anything to do with them as far as it's concerned with you. What about you? Be reconciled. And you can go to that person and you can do it. Maybe they reject you, but I'll tell you what, the, the Lord will do a work in your heart. Some of us need to repent to someone. You need to make things right. Ultimately, we want to be right with God or right with others. So that's one way we deny Him is we, we know what He's asking us to do or we choose sinfulness. Maybe it's, again, you are you don't know the world today. And you've, you've chosen darkness. So darkness has been more fun. Lifestyle spent has been more fun. And the Lord is saying, no, that will end up leading you to the destruction have life for you. And what is the Lord saying to you? And those are ways that we can deny Him and deny His power. Another way we can deny it is is denying that Jesus fears is who He's He this is where we where we have revelation—the chief revelation that we have to God about Christ, about eternity, about salvation, about what it means. Because it is the Word of God. But we can deny that Jesus is who He says He is. That maybe He's not the only way. And culture again, culture has a message. We all have preachers. It doesn't matter. Everybody, everybody in the world has preachers. Things that are telling them. Things that, that we will listen to, um, truth of our own making, or, or voices, or books, or people that will tell us what to believe or what not to believe in. We all develop some sort of belief system in our life, some sort of moral compass, some sort of you know thing that, 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 that governs us, whether we admit it or not. It, 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 it's very true. If you're a believer or an atheist, everyone has that. And culture has plenty of those voices. And people get offended when they hear that Jesus is the only way to salvation. He's the only way to heaven. Well, that's what exclusive. Well, he said it, not me. He's the one that died on the cross. No other God or the other person that claims to be a leader of a religion died on the cross to take that sin. He was the one that was exclusive and came and rescued us. Other religions are trying to constantly make people earn it, to balance, you know, outbalance the scales with the good over the bad. And Jesus says, you about know, the scales. I've come to take the place you can never have enough good to outweigh the bad. I have come because I am good and I am your Savior. He's the one that said he's the only way to salvation. He's the only way to father. doesn't matter what culture says. Do we believe that Jesus is who he said he is? People will sometimes say, "Well, that seems unfair." What about people that never heard the name of Jesus? Guess what? God's grace is bigger than that, and He will deal with each person where they're at. We don't have to worry about that. I've talked to people before you, and they get offended. They go, "What about these these people that live in the middle of nowhere and they've never heard the name of Jesus?" And 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 what it's trying to do is it's trying to almost make God into some sort of cruel Lord, a cruel God. But here's the problem: it's it's God will. He loves those people, and He will work with those people. My question is always: What about you? What about you? Don't worry about don't worry about this, because a lot of times, if I deflect to certain else, if I deflect to a different argument, I don't have to look at my own heart. Is Jesus who he's sent with? He's the only way. There's a, Harry and I were talking about this the other day, but there's a statement in culture now that says, I am my own truth. You be your own truth. The problem is that that deifies us, it deifies who we are. We we, we tend to humanize God and deify man. Both of them as horrible gods really bad. We are not our own truth. Because if you take that to its logical conclusion, then you can't tell me anything. I can break laws. I, I don't have to abide by anything. My moral code can be I'm my own truth. But Jesus said he is the truth. And that means he gets to call the facts in my life. It's lordship. Because... Again, people want to pick what they will believe or follow about Him. We love these teachings about Jesus, but these teachings make us uncomfortable, right? We love that He talks about love and peace, but we don't like it to confront my sexual sin, my addictions, my personal things, my greed. We don't like that part. We'll take, we'll take this part. We can't do that. He is true. He is who he said he is, and sometimes we can deny him by just picking and choosing. And that's where again, where we humble ourselves and we say, "Jesus, you are the one who says what sin is and sin isn't. You are the one who makes the standard. You are the truth, and I humble myself before you as the ultimate truth source of my life. You are the one, not me, you." It's not a Jesus of our own creation. It's not becoming our own God. Listen to a couple of passages of scripture. first John it says, If we claim to have fellowship with Him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Again, that's not so, you know, you don't see that on too many people's refrigerators. We like how to do all things. You cross your with me, but we don't like how okay, you to have such people who are walking down with you live. Why do we have this? The, the Word of God is, is so loving because He wants us to love and He wants us to finish love. And what He's saying is, you know, you can say that, in other words, I'm saying that I'm selfish but you say I'm Christian. But if I'm walking in darkness, if I'm making my own rules, if I'm calling my own jobs, and I have a Jesus of my own making, they don't—they can't coexist. Titus. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. Again, sorry, is a professor? Are you a Christian? Sure, I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. But does your life line up as a follower of Christ. Now, this doesn't mean please erase the mindset that we're living on this level of perfection, that we've, we've made it to Mount Perfection and now I'm a Christian. That is not what it means. It means that I am walking with Jesus. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm humbling to Him, uh, my life to Him as my, my source of truth, my source of life, my source of life. And when I slip and fall, I repent, I give back up, I don't make excuses for my sins, but I keep walking in the journey because He's there to reconcile us. And that happens when we humble ourselves before Him. So it's not needing no perfection. it is walking with Him every single day. This is Peter. Remember, Peter said, no, Not me. I would I would never deny you. I'll die for you. And if he was, so he's more Lord, of am all in. I'm your follower. I'll die. And then, guess what? His actions said something different. Who? Jesus, who? We'll look at that next week. Acts 4 11, 12. For Jesus is the one referred to this scripture where it says, The stone that you builders rejected. Has now become the cornerstone. Again, that's just what that nearly is speaking of. Is the religious believers of the day, they have him, he's the Messiah, but they're rejecting him as a Messiah. And and he's the cornerstone, he's the foundation. He's why we live, and they said, You've rejected him. Verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. Exclusive passage There's salvation and no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved but the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Then Romans. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. He's the truth when we push away from him as the truth, that's when we endure God's wrath. They know the truth about God. Listen to this. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. And so, that's again when people deflect the inside they know. And folks, again, Thank you, Jesus, that I have been redeemed and reconciled to God. I am one, because I'm does it mean that you have know, reached some other practice that you guys have? I'm on this journey. If you thank God for his reconciling, but I've been there. I've been there. I have suppressed his truth. I knew the truth about God. It was in me and all the excuses and the justifications I was making. I knew it. I knew it in my heart because you made it obvious to me. Verse 21, yes, they knew God. And here's the key. They knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I know who God is. Do you worship? Worship is the idea of worship here. And that's why we need to have I think a, a full understanding of what worship is. Worship isn't just gathering together singing songs. That is an expression of worship. That's not worship itself. Because so what is what is he saying here? What is Paul saying? They they knew God, that they wouldn't worship in this God. Uh, worship and sacrifice are synonymous. In the Old Testament, how did they worship? They would make animal sacrifice because it was costly, right? If you sinned, they would take um, a lamb or something of uh, your flock that was costly to you. It was without blemish and it had to be costly and that animal would die because there was sinfulness. Then Jesus comes into the spotless realm of God. And He dies for in our place so that we don't have to make a sacrifices. here. He's the one thing for all sacrifices. So now, what is New Testament worship? New Testament worship is my own heart. I, they knew Him as God, but they didn't worship Him as God. Worshipping Him as God is saying, I die to myself. I take up my cross every day and I follow you. Jesus is the way. I'm all in. I'm never veering off. I'm going to follow you. If I fall down, I'm getting up and I'm going to come right out because I need you. I need your love. I need your grace. I need your mercy every day. I need your life in me. And believers, let me say, the gospel is not just for the unbelievers. Believers, we, we need to understand that the gospel is still willing for us every single day. That's why Jesus said, "Take up your cross every day." You're going to need to. As soon as we get comfortable, that's what Peter did. That's why we have the story of Peter. Don't let it be a condemning thing. Let it be an encouraging thing. That if Peter fell, we can fall, but we need to stay close to him. And Peter got comfortable. It did it to me. It never happened to me. I'm beyond. I'm beyond that. I'm above that. They knew God, but they did not worship Him as God. They begin to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. You see that? A God of their own making. And so then they had foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, the minds became dark and confused. I think that reveals a lot of what's in culture today. Because when you make God something of your own create your own imagination, your own making, you're, you're dark and you're confused. Claiming to be wise, instead they become utter fools. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worship and serve the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Again, this is the truth of Scripture. Receive it as you would that God so loved the world and gave us only begotten Son. When 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 we're, we're told this truth, God wants us to walk in His truth, walk in His life, and receive His love, and His grace because He loves us. He has best for us. We don't get to redefine who God is, who Jesus is. We don't get to redefine the Word of God. The Word of God tells us what He is and who He is, and it grieves Him when we deny Him this way. And lastly today, I'm going to finish with this, we can deny Him by being ashamed of Him. Paul says, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ that the power of God works, saving everyone who believes in that change at like the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And we can deny Him sometimes when we are ashamed saint and I've been there. In certain settings, we're have been ashamed to be a follower of Christ, especially now in culture where Christianity can be looked down upon. It can be, you know, it can, it, it, they, they, they equate it to being, you know, Crazy or whatever they, they whatever kind of words they put on it, but it can, it's, it, in culture, you can, you can see what's kind of going on. as a push away of that, and you can be seen as weird, and it's easy to be ashamed of Jesus. And Jesus says this: "So whoever acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven." Strong passage, right? God, help us to not deny Him, being ashamed of Him. I've been guilty of that. Been in workplaces where maybe something that the opportunity comes up to be able to share my faith or talk about the gospel, I don't know because I'm embarrassed. Again, the Lord wants to cleanse some heart for me for you us know, to speak to us, that we are living as a testimony, that we, uh, you know, we, we let our light shine again. I was once lost, but now I'm found, i was blind, but now I see that we are a testimony of God's goodness and grace. They knew the old us, and they see the new us. I'm not saying we have to be weird be standing up on, you know, stuff and yelling at people. I'm just talking about a natural flow of relationship that we allow a life to flow and not be ashamed of Him to say by our testimony that God is good because He saved me, He rescued me, and He did the gospel. Don't be ashamed of His of him, but Receive His love as the goodness He you today. And again, the, the inventory of today, just like Peter is it's not intended to be a downer to I hope you understand that. It's heavier in that we have to do an, 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 this, this, this internal look and say, not search my heart. Have you denied him? There's been things that we denied him. I've been against the other but that we receive it as loving truth, that we receive it as loving grace, that that the same God that says, I, I love you, my peace, I give you, it, leave you my peace, I give you, is the same one that says, don't don't reject me, don't deny me, because I have a plan and purpose for you. He loves us and He wants to be reconciled to us. And He wants to heal those areas, just like we will see next week that He we long to reconcile Peter and bring him back and say that I'm not finished with you. Your denial of me doesn't disqualify you. Let me cleanse you. Let me set you free as you walk with me. Will you stand? Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for it. your grace and your mercy. Lord, today I, I just joined with my brothers and sisters today. God, say, forgive us for we have denied you. Forgive us where we betrayed you. Forgive us where we had not believed who you said you are. or maybe we did our own thing. Or maybe we responded in fear instead of faith. So it's another thing that we can do is we, God, or, 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 or we live in anxiety. We live in worry. that least we don't worry, don't, don't live in anxiety. Lord, forgive us where for we have denied Your power. Forgive us, Lord, where we have denied You by being ashamed of You. And Lord, thank You that You point these things out because You love us and that You want us to be a real relationship with You, But I pray that we would worship You as God. We would love You as God. We would treat You as God. We would worship You as God. As You are the way, the truth, and the life. That You are the standard of truth culture doesn't tell us what truth is. Books, teachers, Lord, none of that. It is you and your word that, 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 that reveals what truth is, the standard of truth. And I pray that we would live for you, to worship you. And Lord, I pray that when we fall down and we mess up, or that we would get back up. Lord, we would grab hold of you again because we're in, in Christ. We don't have to live in shame. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. but so, when we fail, we deny you. We don't have to live in guilt and shame. But we can live in the truth of your love and the truth of your grace because that, that is also part of who you are. When we humble ourselves again and say, Lord, I recognize it. Forgive me. Lord, you, you wipe it away. It's far removed as the east is from the west. There's no shame, no No condemnation. So, Lord, I pray, God, that we would receive your love in your grace, so that we would confess where we have denied you, we would come clean, and we would receive your love and Your closing. Lord, we pray also um, for our time at the middle school. Lord, this day that we are celebrating your goodness and your grace. Lord, we pray for the food. We pray, God, for our time, for our fellowship. God, thank you for the body. Christ. Thank you for the church of the Lord Jesus. Lord, may we go and may we proclaim the gospel through our words and our deeds. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hopefully you can go over to middle school and join us for a time of food and fun. um, Again, if you didn't get a chance to um, fill out a uh, pledge form, we encourage you to do that today. The last day to drop those in the box.